Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 12. It's episode 13. Uh, still babbling or something along those lines. Mm. Uh, Clint, how you doing this week? I'm just fine, Ken. Just fine. Just perfectly fine. Just like so many movies that maybe we watched this week. Just um, fine. Just fine is going to be a <laughs> high rating for some of these. So I'm not going to. Okay. Just fine is yeah. high praise. Yeah. We had quite the selection this week. Yeah. Uh, we really stepped in it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been a week of watching. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, some was of our own making. Some was fate. The wheel had been turned. <laughs> literally, the wheel had been turned. And yeah. it just just real quick. Yeah. Uh, we have renamed. Uh, we kept calling it Movietron. Yeah. Uh, but we, we we've renamed better. it Cinetron. And can we just take Staying a second? Staying on brand with the whole podcast yes so. can, can we just take a second and talk about that music oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> that that absurdly delightful music <laughs> i just i i always look forward to clint clint leaves here with the recording in hand and then whatever actually comes online yeah. is of his uh, beautiful mind. <laughs> and uh, just I, I i i so look forward to the music that suddenly graces my ears and Sinatron 3000. <laughs> it's going to uh, be on the billboards. Man. I can see it. That is a song and a half, literally a song and a half. Cause you feel like, is this too long? But then, then you think, yeah, that's the point. And, then, and it's great. <laughs> Once it hits 3000, 3, you're 000. like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm fully uh, in support of and in love with this song. Yeah. It actually was like 40 seconds longer. <laughs> I was like, nah, that's too much. Perfect at 30 seconds. So, okay. Do you still have the 40 seconds longer version? I, uh, well, I could, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You might want to throw it, like, just at the end of the podcast sometime. Okay. Just roll right back into the extended <laughs> cut of I'll close the Cinetron out the podcast 3000 version, yeah. theme song. Yeah. I like that I'm idea. I'm all about it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to listen to whatever we talk about tonight just so I can hear that theme song again. It's great. I'm happy with it. I am. I genuinely. There's no sarcasm here. No, I believe you. I'm. Okay. I'm just saying. Me personally, who usually I don't care for anything I do. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's been a week. So, uh, mm. what you watching about, Clint? Ken, this is a light week because we had a lot of garbage to go through. <laughs> Clint, the shovel. <laughs> I had the shovel out. Just tossing it over my head. Mm. And so, yeah, I didn't get much in. I watched one movie. Okay. Um, a little horror movie, indie horror movie called The Headhunter. Oh. Have you seen anything? I this? watched the trailer for this. Yeah. Um, I did premise too. premise for everybody. Quick premises. It's set in like a medieval like fantasy realm. Um, follows this man who is the headhunter. He goes by father. He's There's two characters in this film. And his daughter is killed by a creature of some sort. So Early on? Yeah. Okay. And so he is um, hunting demons and creatures around the realm. And I guess he's trying to get the one that killed his daughter. Does he know the one that killed or he's just like hacking through them all? In I, the he knows of... the one oh, that okay. killed her. Just along the way he's he, taking out these other yeah. beasties. Uh-huh. And it's super independent, um, low-budget horror fit, flick. Um, like prospect low budget or yeah. like distractingly low budget? Well, the production value is prospect level, okay. but you can feel the hindrance of the financial strain on it. 
where like if they had another $10,000 or something, you could feel like this could have been really something Mm -hmm. because the actor is really good and the production, like I said, is really good. Like it doesn't feel like you're in somebody's backyard who's making it. It Mm -hmm. feels filled out and... um, I think it was filmed in like the Netherlands or something because mm-hmm. there is they do take advantage of like the beautiful scenery at one point and you can feel the the scope of it. But like it's so they could have done so much more with the whole thing. Okay. Foreign language subtitles? No, it's, it's, English. In, it's English. Okay, it's in English. Yeah. But they, okay. Uh, directed by this guy named Jordan Downey. I had never seen anything. He did a series of films called Thanks Killing. <laughs> I think about the cover has a turkey that looks very... Uh, we need more Thanksgiving holiday classics. Yeah, so um, maybe it's these not are... a very competitive field. No, you can make a Thanksgiving movie and instantly be in the top ten. Yeah. Thanksgiving movies of all time. Yeah, he's filling a market, like a, okay. a niche in the market. Um, and I like I think it looked really good. It was filmed really well, but it just felt like it's one of those things where every time it's going to kill a beast of some sort, mm-hmm. it's he leaves and comes back injured, and okay. it does this four or five times, and it's just like. Give me something. And I can understand the idea of being like minimalist mm-hmm. and it's not really about the violence or something, but it doesn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it feels like they could have done something more if they had a little bit more funds, but I don't know. It's not, it wasn't bad, but it just, I feel like there could have been something bigger. Maybe they're scraping together another, another hundred thousand. Then they'll go shoot those scenes and <laughs> yeah, just cut them in. Slowly they're going to, yeah, just blow it up cut. to like Avatar level film. <laughs> just, Avatar yeah. level. 20 years from now, they're yeah. just going to dump $10 million into mm-hmm. the, the same footage. And Yeah. But I mean, it looked really good okay. and the, he, the actor was really good. Right. The headhunter. The headhunter. Right, yeah, the trailer that. is kind of deceiving a little bit. Okay. But. Yeah, that's all I watched. What that's you watched, Ken? Yeah, what you watching, Ken? Uh, I watched the latest episode of The Outsider. Have you watched? Oh, yeah. I wanted to see if you wanted to talk four. about that. Uh, yeah, we can talk about it okay. now. Um, you I, can you can do your little what, what you're watching about, okay. and then I'll, I'll come in. I'll pop okay. in. I, I felt it was a little stronger than episode three. Mm-hmm. Some of my concerns from episode three didn't feel as strong this week. I felt like they had a, a better handle on, on Holly Gibney, but... Um, it's it still had the first two episodes had a subtlety to them mm-hmm. uh, where and maybe subtlety is the wrong word. It just it felt like there was a, a more confident hand behind the camera. Right. And this one, again, feels like it's it's a little forced. It's it's being a little heavy handed. Right. Uh, and and over explaining a bit. Um but like I said, it was it was better than the third episode for me, so I'm hoping they still pull it out. This is the episode where they really, in some ways, depart from the book. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised, not in a good or a bad way. I want to see what they do with it. Uh, but they started bringing in some other characters and, and some subplots that definitely aren't there. So I'm curious if that is kind of a, a ripple effect where that those early changes create larger and larger changes as we go along uh-huh. or if it's just they're they're kind of fleshing out and and filling in some of the characters that didn't get a lot of attention in the book i um i don't know if she got some notes or something because she felt completely different to me yeah. like it was so much more subtle and mm-hmm. like um she felt more in tune with with everything else which was going on like she, like she could operate in the world yeah. and i i thought she was really good actually yeah. and i so that made it more enjoyable for me and that's me. the holly gibney from the books yeah and that's why i was i was so turned off in that third episode because it and i don't even think it had to do with reading the books i think it was just a very it, it was too on it the nose it was very strong was, um characterization of yeah 
Yeah. And it was it was just overcooked. And and this week dialed it back, and you got the sense that okay, this this person still has the things they established, right? Uh, the gifts or the curses or whatever you want to call yeah. them. Uh, but she's um she just felt like she could function right in the real world. Yeah, I totally believed her this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, bl- I enjoyed it quite a bit more than last Good. episode. Good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to keep watching yeah. and see where it goes. Yeah. I, I, like even last episode didn't turn me off to it. It was mm-hmm. just felt like it had dipped a bit. But mm-hmm. this week, I think it picked back up for me. Okay. And, you know, part of that may have been the product of losing Jason Bateman's Terry Maitland mm. and gaining this very strange Holly Gibney character. Maybe they just had a hard time turning that corner. Right. It'll be a momentary blip. Um I, th- I think I was oversensitive to the fourth episode. I felt myself watching it like, oh, okay. you've got you to get me back. Mm. And so anytime I thought it was starting to go in the direction that third episode had, I yeah. would, would kind of tense up and, oh, here we go. And it never did, but it, it was a very distracting episode watch for me right. because of that. Mm. So I watched that. Uh, the, the better thing that I watched was Avenue 5. Oh, yeah. Of that. Yeah. That show and Rachel started watching it this week. Jenny started watching it and uh, was just cracking up. Did you show her the and first episode? No, I, no. I, yeah, I made Jenny watch the first one. I was like, oh, check this out. And then we both really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I filled her in enough that you know she could she could follow along. Um, and it was it was just there's something about those coffins orbiting the ship. <laughs> I love that. I hope more people die as it goes I on. Really, and I then just, there's just this like <laughs> Saturn-like ring yeah. of coffins and bodies circling the white, ship. Sat, white rings around Saturn. There you go. There you're going to get it. Uh, I'm finally. Yeah. Finally. Uh but it was just it was it was great fun and mm-hmm. I'm I'm seeing what they're doing. I'm digging what they're doing. Uh I loved it even more this week and uh it was. I, I just. I look forward to that now. That's that's kind of yeah my top of my comedy list. Yeah. So uh, and then the last thing I watched, I watched the first episode of Picard. Oh, okay. On CBS. Did you get to catch it? No, I haven't. I loved it. Really. Now I was very aware of the problems in it, oh, uh, okay. which you know some people have complained about online, and maybe that tuned me into it too early. But for the most part, I was just like, "What's the problem?" Hmm. As I was watching it, there were there were a few little things, but you could tell that they've got a lot of story to tell and a lot of catching up to do with some characters and they've got to propel this new plot forward. Plus they're dealing in the Kelvin timeline from kind of the J.J. Abrams oh, okay. films uh-huh. where Romula, Romulus had been destroyed. And so they're kind of presupposing that most of what we know from the Next Generation series still happened. Okay. But at the same time, there are these alterations. So that it's just a lot to kind of cram into one episode. Huh. And they do well with it, and they establish enough that I suspect they won't have to do it uh, much more. Okay. Uh, they really laid down kind of the, the underlying plot. It's tied a lot into data and a lot of just really good uh, Next Generation episodes that I remembered. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, di- I didn't feel like it was an Easter egg hunt where I had to have just watched the episodes to really enjoy the nods. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, um, I just I, I enjoyed kind of checking back in with the Picard character. That right. didn't bother me at all. And yeah. It doesn't bother me that he isn't, you know, a captain on a starship or an admiral somewhere. Right. Uh, he's off in retired life and kind of being dragged back in. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, good fun. I would recommend it. I would probably more recommend it 
as a snag a free week of CBS once the entire <laughs> series is up and uh-huh. just binge it. Um, but I I have no like I watched um, the Next Generation as mm-hmm. I was growing up. I've never revisited it, so mm-hmm. it's just like I feel like I would have no idea what's going on. That would be even more interesting to me for you to watch it because while watching it, one of the things I was impressed with was that at one point I started thinking, if I hadn't watched The Next Generation, mm-hmm. would any of this still matter to me? And I I think it would still work. Mm. I think it's still um, similar to how you could go and watch one of the Star Trek movies and not have to have seen the series right? Uh, to be able to just enjoy it as a movie. Now, of course, if you had seen the series, you're seeing a lot more to it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it didn't feel overly steeped in next generation lore. It was definitely mm-hmm. uh, much more about telling a forward story. Uh, and it, it did a good job of introducing the elements and, and reminding me in a way of those elements. Um, but I, I don't know. I, hmm. I, I don't think you would have an issue. Okay. Uh, or somebody who had never seen Next Generation would have an issue, but yeah. maybe. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is you just probably wouldn't have uh, the same level of affection for some of the returning characters. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe those moments wouldn't hit as much. Huh. Um, one of the, the big plot points is that Picard left Starfleet, Starfleet because he was just uh, dis- disenchanted. Okay. And they had, had made some political moves that he just couldn't support and he didn't want to be a part of. And so that's a very interesting angle. Mm. You have this person who uh, was very highly regarded and has walked away from the status and the prestige and, and the career out of principle. And he's resistant to being pulled back in. Mm. For any reason, and yet, you know, story is story, and uh, <laughs> they find a way. Right. Hmm. So okay, yeah. I don't know, it's yeah, it's, I was interested, yeah, but it's worth checking out. Yeah, you know, I'm not encouraging anyone to steal a password, but I mean, <laughs> you know, if you know somebody who already paid for it and is watching it, hmm. I'll have to know, think of maybe somebody that person might, would uh, yeah do their password. Not us. We're professionals. No. We would never do that. Mm-mm. That's terrible. It's against the law. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> but other than that, that's that's kind of what I watched. Outsider Avenue 5 and Picard. Yeah. Um, not much else other just... than what we're about to talk about. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Are you ready for this, Clint? Mm-hmm. All right. I want to apologize. Good. Good. I wanted an <laughs> apology. No, I don't apologize. It was the wheel of fate that did this. The universe needs to apologize. This. Yeah. First movie is Rambo... Last Blood and Rambo Last Blood is the fifth Rambo movie. I'm um, referring to this movie as Grambo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um that's all I yeah, can think about. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Grambo <laughs> Grambo Last Blood. Uh is just Sylvester Stallone is is Rambo mm. yet again. He will not yes, die. No, um, bullets aren't taking him out, mm. and apparently heart disease couldn't either. And, yeah, because he's still kicking, <laughs> he's uh, taking his meds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he co-wrote the story. Sylvester Stallone co-wrote the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I know very early on in his career, Rocky and First Blood uh, kind of established that he could do uh, some some impressive level writing. Right. Uh, Lately, I I don't see a lot of that. Um, it it feels very wooden. 
Um, but I'm getting my head yeah. I was so. I read that he he wanted it to be more of a personal story, and then it, the other writer or director pitched this idea, and then he gave up on that. It was this feels very disjointed from all of the other Rambo films. Yeah. And uh, it, it takes place in Arizona, mm-hmm. and this is 11 years after um, the last movie. That came which, out 11 years ago? I guess. Oh, my it gosh. It was stupid violent. I yeah. I that uh, almost to, to comedy levels. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now he's in Arizona, and he's living on a ranch. Digging holes. I, his dead dad owned, because uh-huh. now we're going to introduce that, I guess. And yeah, he has lots of tunnels mm-hmm. that people point out and like, oh man, why does he build these tunnels? I'll tell you why he builds these tunnels. He never answers, but do you know why he builds these tunnels? A little PTSD. thing I like to call third act. <laughs> okay? That is, PTSD, that is PTSD, oh, This sure. is how he sure. hopes. Sure. I'm sure that's how he deals with the tunnels. But in reality, they needed tunnels for the third act of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, quirk. Rambo builds tunnels. We've but established that in all the other movies. He's a kind Rambo. <laughs> and he invites his <laughs> a surrogate teenage granddaughter to take bring her friends over and, and explore these tunnels. This is a weird relationship <laughs> right up front. And what sets it took the plot me in so motion? long to gather what their relationship was. <laughs> <laughs> what sets the plot in motion is this girl has gotten a call from a friend in Mexico mm-hmm. who has tracked down her father who took off when she was very young. And she's just really had a hard time being abandoned by her father. And she wants to know why. And so once she finds out where he is, she's 18 or almost 18, and she's graduating high school. She's about to go off to college. And she's like, you know what? Yeah. I am driving to Mexico to find my deadbeat dad. Mm-hmm. Now, Grambo and... Thank you. What, what are we calling her, her aunt? Is that her grandmother? She's sort of his housekeeper. Yeah, I did. Uh, there, it took me to figure out that relationship because I was like, "Wait, is that his wife?" And I was like, "That's actually." I was that's like, "Bold cast." I know. Yourself. I was going to say, "Like, wow, like she's age appropriate to Grambo." Yep. And <laughs> Rambo, and I thought, "Like, wow, I kind of that's pretty good." And then uh, that goes out the window because it's it's just some random woman almost. This teenage girl, teenagers. <laughs> And yeah. decides, even though everybody Zubay's. tells her no, she's going to drive to Mexico. Yeah. Which Grambo should know better. Uh, he really should have a hold on these kind of things. Yeah. And he should know full well, this girl is going to Mexico. Right. Why in the world she gets all the way to Mexico and chaos ensues and then he finds out about it and takes off? Mm-hmm. Zero sense. But anyway. How does he find out again? Grambo sense. <laughs> Is tingling. There's like a sense of tingling. Yeah, it was um, echoed through the tunnels that he was digging. Just felt that's why like, he was digging the tunnels yeah. so he could receive. It was messages like a honing device. From, like it just yeah. echoed. At first, I honestly thought, oh, they're really going to do kind of a you know border wall tunnels underneath. Like he's smuggling immigrants. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like, no, no. No. He's just. Okay, digging tunnels for some reason, third act. <laughs> anyway, she goes to Mexico. She finds her dad. Mm-hmm. You think her dad is going to have some bearing on the plot? He doesn't. No. Just gets her to Mexico. <laughs> and the friend is is selling her and basically selling her to these guys that are going to traffic her. Yeah. Uh, so the deadbeat dad doesn't matter at all. And no. didn't need to be there. The friend he turned on just a dime. Real fast. <laughs> really fast. The friend could have just lured her down and sold her. Uh-huh. She didn't need to actually find the dad. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, that was really funny that she like she lured her down there by the ho- promise of like reuniting her with her father. 
lets her go off to visit her father and then turns on her in turn. She needed to get her to that club. And so she was just oh, like, oh, yeah. she's sad like she's about gonna, her dad. She's going to be upset after this uh, meeting with her father. But what would have happened if the girl got there and he's just like, I'm a changed person. I'm so sorry. Come yeah. on in. Spend the week. Right. I'll drive. Like, now what does the girl who's trafficking her do? Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't go as planned. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the girl gets kidnapped. This is really just Taken 4 uh, with Grambo. It really was. Instead of Liam Neeson. Yeah. I've never seen a Taken film, but then I was like, this is a this, Taken film. This is a Taken film. <laughs> uh, she gets taken, mm-hmm. and um, Grambo has to come down and find her. Mm-hmm. And uh, let us I'm not going to go much more on that because, wow, does awful follow. Uh, Clint, <laughs> tell us what you really feel about Grambo Last Blood. It was painful to watch. It really was. Like, it was nonsensical. And also, it was just a buildup to, for him to kill a bunch of Mexicans. In those tunnels. Yeah, in those <laughs> tunnels. It was just this whole third act of complete, over-the-top gore violence. And I was trying to think back to, like, the original Rambos, and it was like, that was never like this, really. So First Blood was not at yeah. all. First Blood is very much a, here's a Vietnam vet right. in an era where Vietnam vets are being kind of targeted and harassed. Yeah. He's just trying to pass through a town, mm-hmm. and a sheriff takes it upon himself to run this guy out, and the town kind of turns on him, and he just is trying to survive. Right. Uh, and it, it's really genuinely a story about PTSD before yeah. those letters were even kind of out there in the in the culture sphere. Um, the second Rambo was much more action oriented, yeah. but still had that um, more of that character drama right. built in. Here's somebody who just wants to get out of everything and is being pulled back in. Rambo three was over the top and weirdly in support of the pre-Taliban, but that's another thing. Okay. Anyway, don't recall that part. He's helping freedom fighters uh-huh. uh, against the Russians. Well, those freedom fighters would go on to become the Taliban <laughs> okay. historically. Uh, so, you know, Grambo pre-terrorist. Anyway, mm. uh, Rambo 4 was when it really got. Oh, yeah. You know, let's just turn humans into water balloons. Right. And watch right. Them pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that. I remember him on the back of a, a truck shooting. Oh, yeah. A gun. They just turned like into a large machine yeah. gun into one human being. Mm hmm. Um, so, so this one, it's basically girl gets kidnapped. He goes down to save her, um, and revenge ensues Mm -hmm. and it, it really is awful. Everything is awful. Yeah. The soundtrack is bad. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography, did you notice every time they're in a car, how bad the movie suddenly looked? I I mean, I was just maybe distracted by the rest of it looking really bad. I don't know. Every time they got into a car, it suddenly turned into a, a really bad 80s episode of The Incredible Hulk. You are, um, Oh, yes, you are so right. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was re- camera angles <laughs> yeah. and like the it was it was just bad. Yeah. Really bad. It was. Making. It was really bad. Um, and I, I kind of my my two big takeaways were here's this giant franchise film. And it's got Sylvester Stallone attached to it. Mm-hmm. And it does not feel that way at all. No. It feels like a direct-to-video afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, for it being kind of the the last, if you're going to call it last blood, man, to have a bookend and really pair it and bring it back to that first blood mentality yeah, uh, would have been so much more interesting than right. this. Right. I don't know. I... <laughs> Clint is now rubbing I'm just his forehead. rubbing my head, <laughs> just trying to get a uh, thought that 
give some description of how I felt about this. I want to ask you a question about okay. this. Now, I don't really follow or know um, Stallone's, I don't want to really get into this too much, political background or okay. thoughts. But do you think, look, I, I was reading some other reviews and people were calling it very racist and I can see their point. But do you think it was an intentional thing, like the setup to do this or was just a really <sighs> ill-advised setup for a film? It feels like the kind of movie that a 70-year-old with very good intentions right. would make and just never realize. Like, kind of no one on deaf. set ever said, yeah, it's just very toned up. Yeah. No one ever said, oh, wait, old white guy killing lots of Mexicans. Yeah. And I guess the saving grace there is, they are, yeah, but the teenage girl right. is and Mexican. And then the woman down the there. Woman is the woman Mexican. The reporter. reporter is Mexican. Right. So, so here's the good side yeah. of it. Um, but still, at the end of the day, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to call it racist. Right. It just felt tone deaf. Tone deaf. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, just like maybe, maybe not go just kill a bunch of Mexicans like yeah. that are have this do drug a, empire. A, I mean, do some sort of smuggling thing, and on one side you've got uh, the white Texans that are teamed up with the evil Mexicans, and together they're uh, you know doing this trafficking operation over the border. Uh, then you could probably get away with it. But even then, this is about a Vietnam vet mm -hmm. and about him getting dragged into conflict. This doesn't feel like that movie. It doesn't feel like a movie where this former soldier is being dragged into a, a conflict right. that's that's in progress. This yeah. is this is taken. Mm -hmm. And it just it didn't feel like it matched the character right. at all. Yeah. Because, yeah, because usually he's, like, fighting for something or mm -hmm. he's a part of some kind of cause. Yeah, you're right. It could have been almost like another small town situation where he's up against the powers that be. Like, this is the complete opposite of what this film is. But, like, people in who are in cages, you know, like, I mean, that's a completely different political view. But, like, he sees some wrongdoing there and he goes against the town to free the people who are wrongly imprisoned or I don't know something interesting that's like imagine so in the in the first film in first blood Brian Dennehy plays the the sheriff mm -hmm. I believe imagine if that character's son or daughter tracks down Rambo and needs him and has always heard about this guy and mm -hmm. has heard about what happened in the town. And for some reason, like tie it back to that's too cheesy, but I mean, tie it back to first blood where I'm I'm getting more of a, a real overarching right. direction this character has gone. Um, this is somebody that wanted to avoid everything, but now he's coming back and nobly doing something. You're right. I don't know. Um, it just ugh. Yeah, that whole last sequence was just so like I like was gritting my teeth because it was just so over the top with gore and like and it was like, Home Alone. It was a right, Home it was, Alone. Movie. It was Home Alone. I thought that too. And it and, just it was just trap, trap, yep. trap, trap, trap. And they already had his license. How did he know that he had plenty of time to set all these traps? Right. And then he had to go kill some more guys to get their attention, even though he had already killed people and they yeah. had his license. Why didn't they already come after him? It was just like, I, I don't know if it's me. Like, I, I feel like I could stomach things like that a lot better in my, like, 20s and early teens or, like, late teens. But, like, I just can't deal with just, like, 
over the top gore anymore. Like just for the sake of watching bodies get destroyed, yeah. it's just un, like unsettling. And maybe I'm growing up. Did you ever get a shot to watch Underground Six on Netflix? Underground Six? Oh, you've forgotten it that quickly. The one I talked about with Ryan Reynolds, the Magnet movie. Oh, that one. No, I haven't. I keep meaning to. I, we need to okay. talk about that one probably okay. at some point. Yeah, just at some point watch that. Yeah. Because exact same thing. It's it's a movie that exists to have some people shoot a bunch of other people. Yeah. Um, very different tone. Hmm. Uh, I just, I, I want to hear your pain and sorrow <laughs> upon watching Underground Six. Okay. Because it, it really was. It at least had some heart and humor to it, I guess, compared right. to this. This was a very dreary, and it, it has a tragedy midway through the film uh, that's very left field. And Underground Six? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Back to Grambo. <laughs> <laughs> I was it like, wait, has, that, that didn't seem... <laughs> it has a tragedy that's supposed to be played for, for heartstrings, yeah. but it's it's very... Where did that come from, and why is that necessary? Like, this is already a character because that was that over feels the top. primed to kill all of these people. Right? Why do we need this extra? Uh, you know, and then, and then by the end of it, I'm like, what was this movie trying to say? Right? Because it feels very. It 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 has something to comment on his life or his perspective or his inability to escape these things, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out what it was. Yeah, it just. Seemed like a revenge setup, really, like set up for a revenge film. And, but it does feel like they're trying to say something about his whole um, life and where he's his journey. Because at the end of the film, like that whole montage of have they, did the other films do that? Or like, no. it, yeah, because it was a montage from all the films, and then they replay that film. <laughs> I noticed that they replay scenes from last yeah, blood. It was the whole last se- of the, sequence of, yeah, and they're just we like, just Whoa, we, yeah, we just saw this like two minutes ago. Yeah. Okay. My honestly, my favorite part of this whole movie, he is preparing all these traps, which most of these traps I'm pretty sure can't exist, but whatever. Right. Uh, he takes a pitchfork and he sharpens the pitchfork. <laughs> now, uh huh. I'm not a pitchfork connoisseur, but I'm pretty sure I heard differently. I'm pretty sure the whole point of a pitchfork is it's got short, sharp, pointy ends, right? Yeah. So the fact that in the middle of this movie we're taking 15 seconds to sharpen something that's already sharp, that we're going to swing out from a wall and would definitely stab somebody no matter how much you sharpened it, well, I just that that so encapsulated this movie. They're not that sharp. Movie. They're pointy, but they're not sharp. If something is swinging at you, spring loaded at a hundred miles per hour, he was just getting the job done. He wanted to make sure <laughs> he's yeah, not taking any and, chances. That also, so anytime he captures one of these soldiers and they get hit with one of these traps, these people are obviously dead. They are not moving. And then he still shoots them as he walks by. Yeah, yeah. And at first I thought, oh, that's just to verify they're dead. But then people whose heads are completely gone. He shot them too. He's still shooting their bodies. I know. (laughs) Are you serious right now? It's just a waste of ammunition. Yeah. And you're like calling out where you are. Like that's just, man, Crambo, that's amateur hour. I don't know. But, you know, they found a way to squeeze in crucifixion. So. Yeah, hey, there they did. It, it, is it safe to say Last Blood is one of the worst movies uh, you've seen in a while? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'd have to, I don't want to ever revisit the last Rambo. And I thought that yeah. one was really bad. That was really bad. I felt like that at least had a story that matched up with him. And it was still at least the, 
the tug of war between getting involved and not getting involved. And that felt true to the character. Mm-hmm. Once it actually got to the action, that was Drek. Mm-hmm. And the missionary characters and actors were terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one didn't have any any real highlights in the, the casting department. That was a um, faith-based film, wasn't it? Was it really? <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> hope not. <laughs> I mean, it, had, it it very much had a it had a message in there, yeah. but um, I do not think that's winning any dub awards. <laughs> just just a hunch. somebody should have put that up for one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so man, skip the last blood unless you have to obey whatever your Cinetron tells you. Man, yeah, run and hide from this thing. I think that what was the rating on like. Um, Rotten Tomatoes or something for that. I feel like it was higher than it. <laughs> higher than a zero? Rotten Tomatoes is a fraud. <laughs> hmm. This is the kind of movie. I Now I'm going to, as soon as this is over, I'm going to Rotten Tomatoes. And I just want to read the reviews of anybody that was able to put this over a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Because I, I would love to get the perspective of what somebody enjoyed. Well, it was only 27%. Still, that means 27%. <laughs> Of critics uh, wrote a positive review for this yeah. thing. Hmm. I don't know about that. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to read it afterwards. So. Okay. Next movie uh, had the promise of being a more enjoyable time. Uh, it's Jay and Silent Bob reboot mm-hmm. uh, from writer-director Kevin Smith. And it's a sequel remake reboot of his 2001 comedy, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Um I actually went back and watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Did you? And still had a good time with oh. it. Uh, and now I can't tell how much of that's nostalgia or how much is this is actually an enjoyable comedy. Right. I'll talk a little bit more about the comparison between the two. Um, the reboot follows, once again, Jay and Silent Bob. They find out uh, their characters, Blunt Man and Chronic, are being uh, rebooted by Hollywood. Uh, they're making another movie. And Jay and Silent Bob, angry at this, decide we are going to go and we're going to stop this thing. Mm-hmm. Just like we did all those years ago with the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint, what would you think of uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot? I cannot remember the last time I have laughed so little at a comedy. Oh, wow. Actually, I didn't, I didn't laugh at all. I don't, And I think that's a failure on the film's part. I did not enjoy this film. And I... It just made me question all of my love for any of his films. Well, let's let's go back up a little bit. What's what's your kind of Kevin Smith history? Uh, you know, which movies did you enjoy? How did you how did you react to them? Once upon a time. Well, you introduced me to Kevin Smith uh, back in the day. You're welcome. Yeah, and I really enjoyed Clerks and Mallrats and Chasing Amy at the time. I haven't seen. Chasing Amy, probably, I don't know, in a long time. I know I revisited um, Mallrats and Jay and Silent Bob. And I still think I, I still, uh, I mean, Clerks. I keep calling it Jay and Silent mm-hmm. Bob. Clerks. I really enjoyed Clerks. And I think I still do. Because I really like the kind of independent spirit of that film. Mm-hmm. And you can, f- it just makes sense with his filmmaking. And I feel like, it never really clicked since then completely because he had a bigger budget, but his skill as a writer never got any better. So I don't know. I, I couldn't really tell you what I 
think about anything past that because I've never rewatched Dogma since that came out. Or what about like the the Tusk era where he started on Tusk and Red State and I hated Tusk. You hated Tusk. I really hated oh, Tusk. That was not my memory. I thought you had kind of enjoyed it. No, I, well, this was at a point when I was really listening to the podcast a Mm -hmm. lot and I still check in and and as a person, I love Kevin Smith. I think he's a lot of fun. Um, And I was listening to the podcast a lot and it was during the whole Tusk era. era, When he was, where it was was like forming and you could like, it like all came out of one episode where they were highly um, just, come riffing and coming up with this scheme and then it just as the weeks went on he was actually writing it so that was really fun and i thought that was it was a really silly idea but then to see it actually on film i was just so disappointed and i had no fun with that i thought okay i don't know okay yeah and red state i enjoyed that i i really wish it had gone big at the end of that film and it, and so I was kind of disappointed by the end, but I, I like that he was branching out into a different kind of filmmaking because I don't know. I think he was feeling it too, where he wasn't quite sure where his career was going. And it was cool that he was kind of trying to move in a new direction mm-hmm. and explore things. But then he just went reverted back to what he knew. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, I started with Clerks and Mall Rats chasing Amy, mm-hmm. just the same. Um, they, even at the time, they had a, a very kind of stocky indie vibe. Yeah. Um, and they still do, but, uh, it's, it's quaint and it holds up in that way right. where there's still really solid laughs and, and really solid moments of, um, drama and comedy and all of these things. And, uh, you can always feel his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's even said that, um, that they're just, there are times where his different characters are basically him. Right, and right. They sound like him. Yeah. It's him talking to him. Um, but other than that, I've, I've always had a you know good, healthy love of all that stuff. Red State, I loved right up until it wasn't actually The Rapture. That would yeah. have just made that movie sore for me. Yeah. Uh, that would have really been wild and bold and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, a nice little and credits. Right. Uh, Tusk. I was kind of okay with until you get to the actual walrus and the Johnny Depp character. Yeah, he I was could awful. certainly do without. Um, what was the one with the girls in Canada? <laughs> um, yoga hosers. Yoga hosers. Um, I never saw that. I did. And after, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I could see being, you know, a, a high school girl and just thinking that's the most amazing movie I've ever seen. Um, right. But it, it definitely was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, I came to this and and I was really excited about Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Okay. Uh, because I thought it would be kind of a return to form. Mm. And it, it just felt very rusty to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like he was dusting off these old characters and his old style, but it, it just didn't feel finely tuned. It felt like, oh man, that's, it's been in the box too long. Yeah. Because I feel like Clerks too. He fell back into that uh, those characters a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if I revisit it now, I would feel the same way I feel about this. Mm-hmm. But I remember enjoying that when that we saw that in the theater, mm-hmm. and like he had, I don't know, nailed what he was trying to accomplish. No, well, and I'm still looking forward to Clerks three. I think he has a better handle oh, on. 
clerks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Surprise. I, I think he has a better handle on clerks because what he's really writing there is his life. Mm. When he did the first clerks, that was his life. Right. Working at a convenience store yeah. and dreaming of being something more. Clerks 2 was now I'm middle-aged and I'm dealing with middle-aged things. And, you know, he had moved on in life, but it was still that mentality. It really struck that age. So yeah. I'm looking forward to Clerks 3 kind of, you know, now you're over the hump of middle age. What happens now? And what right. does that feel like? Yeah. And so I, I, I bet have somebody has a heart attack. In that. I bet you 100% somebody <laughs> has a heart attack. Um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back back in 2001 was, you know, admittedly from Kevin Smith, much more of a Looney Tunes. Yeah. I just want to have fun and it's going to be episodic and quirky and satirical and all these things rolled into one. Um, there was still kind of a, a flow to it. There was a plot. Uh, you could follow a story. Uh, and um, the characters that would pop up were kind of surprises and, mm. and fun. This one, even all of the cameos felt very forced. Yeah. Felt very kind of studio one shot and they had just been edited into the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, Especially Matt Damon. Oh yeah. And there's there's very self-aware moments where it's just like, and let's check in with Loki. Why? Why right. didn't our why didn't Jay and Bob run into Loki? Why is he just suddenly turning and addressing the camera? Why? Yeah. And I get it. The it's it's essentially these little vignettes of what happened to the characters from your favorite character Kevin Smith movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the whole time he had a checklist mm-hmm. that he was going down and like oh, like checking off things and like, yeah. okay, at this point we need we like f- <laughs> two minutes has passed. We need a cultural reference or like a pop reference yeah. and like it just it was so forced every time like one of those things came in. It was like okay, he's checking it off. Okay, he did it. Okay, you're getting you're <laughs> getting a little bored. Okay, well we're gonna bring Star Wars up. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I I write with you. I laughed shockingly little in this movie. I don't even know if I laughed out loud once. I didn't actually, laugh at all. I'm thinking about it. I don't think I did. And I was trying to think if I saw this, like we went to the theater and had mm-hmm. seen this, if I would have. And I don't know. I, I don't think People I really have. responded to it in the roadshow that he did. Yeah. But... It's much more of a communal, you're with all of these fans, everybody's cheering, Kevin Smith's right there, mm-hmm. he's doing a Q&A afterwards. The atmosphere is very different. Right. And I think it's easy to get kind of sucked up in that. We talked about that with like Star Wars Episode 2, where yeah, like Yoda's yeah. jumping around, the crowd's going <laughs> wild. And you're like, yeah, this is the greatest thing yeah. ever. And then you go back and watch Episode 2, and you're like, oh man, this is a terrible, terrible right. movie. And that's not a good scene. Mm-hmm. And it's just that kind of when you're removed from that kind of crowd uh energy yeah it it changes things and so just watching this yeah just watching this uh it it was kind of baffling to me and i'm coming in ready to love this thing Mm -hmm. like i'm ready to apologize for it i'm ready to defend it uh you know i i was prepared to say things like you know well i can see where some people wouldn't like it but yeah i don't know i I didn't like the whole father-daughter um, storyline throughout. I I didn't mind that that's what they wanted to do. I just thought she was too abrasive yeah. to make that character really work. Mm. And I don't think that's her fault. I thought she did very well yeah. with the part she was given. Um, I just felt like it was written to make her very brash mm. and very Kevin Smith character. And that was weird because I'm aware the whole time this is his daughter – 
But the thing she's saying is just like your father had to write this knowing his daughter was. <laughs> there was to quite see a it. few things like that where it jumped out, and I was like, "Wow, that felt yeah. so weird to me." I was uh, trying to think of the example I had. Oh, anytime that. she talks about anything sexual, yeah, it's it was very uncomfortable because I'm painfully aware of the fact that this father had to write these lines for his daughter, mm-hmm. and that's not like some weird judgment of him. I, I don't think it was there's the Chris Hemsworth him, just, thing. Oof. Where they're talking about wanting to yeah. get with Chris Hemsworth, yeah. and they're just like kind of one-upping each other about what they would do with him, and it's yeah. just like, like, oh man, your dad had to sit behind the camera and film this, and first he had to write it, and I don't think he has a problem like that. Probably that not. They just are like that. And like I said, that, I'm not like suggesting Kevin Smith is is you know something bad or or if he's not a no, good I wasn't father or anything that. like that. <laughs> no, I wasn't taking that, but I it's just, just like it was it was uncomfortable for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. There the the two things I enjoyed in this, there's <clears throat> there's a moment between Jason Mewes and Harley Quinn Smith mm. where they're legitimately tearing up and the way that they're handling this scene got me. In the middle of this movie I was not enjoying it all. Suddenly I was just like, oh, that gives me the feels. Um, All of that felt so manufactured to me, like it was trying to make me feel, and I just, I, I, it just didn't work for me. And for me, it was weird because everything around it felt manufactured. But then here's this one little part of the scene. It wasn't even the whole yeah. storyline at all. It was, it was the scene where she's talking about, I would, I just want my dad to this, 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 and and Jason Mewes is tearing up, and they're having a legitimate acting moment. Um, I think that's the problem because. I didn't – Jason Muse. I just can't take serious. Like I don't think he's particularly he looks, a very – He looks very old now. He looks very old. Yeah. He's not been kind to himself. No. Uh, but uh, so I it just up – like at that point he turns on the acting skills. Mm-hmm. So it was just like I don't know. It just felt like maybe you could have done that a little bit more throughout the rest of this. Yeah. I don't know. The second part that, that got me uh, briefly was uh, a portion of the Ben Affleck scene when he rolled, runs into Holden mm-hmm. and he's talking to him and he delivers this this monologue about parenting and he talks about how uh, you're going along in life and it's your story, it's your story, everything's about your story. Suddenly you have a kid and you're just like, I don't care about my story anymore. Now it's about his story or right. her story. That got me. Mm-hmm. I thought Ben Affleck did really well with that and uh, it was it was really well written. But those those kind of scenes felt very disjointed. Yeah. From the the Looney Tune antics right. of the right, and that's of why I couldn't really get into those like the emotional oh. underscore of those scenes because it's just like we're surrounded by the rest of what's happening in this film, and I just couldn't buy into mm-hmm. any of that because especially with it's like it's Ben Affleck giving that scene because that's distracting for mm-hmm. one. It's just like oh Ben Affleck's here all of a sudden, and it's like thinking about their whole relationship, like him and Kevin Smith after all these years and like mm-hmm. it's just like oh you finally coaxed him to come back into one of your films and it's just that i'm thinking about all that yeah i don't know yeah i like i said i was i was expecting to enjoy it or find lots of things to enjoy yeah even if i walked away like that oh, wasn't a great film i really expected to have a good time with it um almost kind of a homecoming feel but right i i just I, I got kind of sad about the whole thing as I was watching it because it just felt, it felt like, um, I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. It felt off. Uh, and I'm really happy people are enjoying it. I'm happy he really is is pleased with it and everything. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, I'm done with Silent Bob emojis and uh, pantomimes. And that was something that was really. I, I every time he was tapping on that screen, yeah. it was like so, like a nail on a chalkboard to me. Oh, just... well, and then when he would sort of sign what he was wanting to say, like that was never the Silent Bob character. Right, he wouldn't sign things. He might do a little hand like, mm-hmm. but never a full. Oh, I'm playing charades. That was really yeah. played up. The looking at the camera, yeah. kept happening. Um, the the beyond self referential, self referential, right. Uh, was was really distracting. Yeah, and it, um, when those self-referential kind of moments happened, like the Silent Bob character would really be like shrugging, like looking at the camera while everything, like it's just like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just... It just made me question like how much I actually cared for any of those movies to begin with. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like now I should go back through the ones I did really enjoy and see if they hold up for me because... I don't know. Just me, like, were they like this? Is this like a return to form, or is this just like an outlier now? It was. It was. Yeah, it's an outlier. I think it, it was a return to form to that Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, had but I remember enjoying tone, that. But it one was. And some. like I said, I just watched it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, knowing that this was coming, and I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it still has some great moments. But even then, when somebody pops up, they're interacting with that person. Right. You see them together. Right. And and I. That can't be understated. When Carrie Fisher shows up, they're riding in a car with Carrie Fisher. Uh-huh. Yeah, we know it's Carrie Fisher, but here are these actors having a good time. Oh, my goodness, we got Carrie Fisher. Right. They're not like green screened in they're or like in. it's just this scene that pops up yeah. randomly like Matt Damon. It's just it actually has consequence within the movie. Even this one, they have um, uh, Tommy Chong and yeah. Val Kilmer and Melissa Benoist playing um, – the characters in the, the, Blunt the rebooted and, Blunt Man yeah. and Chronic, even that they're clearly not on set together. Right, it's all of it's supposed to be this movie, but it's just these individual shots cut together of each of these actors doing right. their thing, and you could feel it. Yeah, there was no chemistry there. <sighs> Val Kilmer, Ooh, yeah. that was just sad. Yeah, like I yeah. felt it's just like man, I feel bad for you, Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I don't know. I, I unfortunately can't recommend this one. It uh, even if even if you love Kevin Smith movies, I mean, obviously you're going to watch it. But um, man, possibly brace yourself for an experience that is not what you've been reading about from people who went and saw this thing uh, in a theater full of screaming fans with Kevin Smith sitting in the front yeah. row and just sitting at home watching this. It was not that. No. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that just sort of trailed off as yeah. we're just both looking down like, oh man, that was that was not what I thought. Yeah, and I didn't even have any expectations for it. So yeah. and it was disappointing. Yeah. I don't know. And I didn't have expectations of it. I just had the that expectation of enjoyment. Yeah. It just wasn't there. Hmm. Well, third movie. Uh and I'm gathering from your early comments that that this did not go well for you either. But Third movie is Zombieland Double Tap, uh, and that's from Ruben Fleischer. This is a sequel to uh, the 2009 uh, movie Zombieland, and it's just about four kind of um, quirky loners that come together and, and form this this little family unit, and they're in a post-apocalyptic zombie scape. Zombieland. To a, a zombie land, if yeah. you will. 
and they have to make their way through and survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Zombie Land I thought was really good fun. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, second Zombie Land, uh, just kind of my base impression, it was more of the same, mm-hmm. but unlike Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and I watched this immediately after. Um, right after Jay and Silent right Bob. Right after Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I watched this. And it felt much more like the first movie. Mm. I don't I don't think it's superior to the first movie, but I found myself having fun with it. I laughed. I enjoyed certain parts. Uh, I was I was just kind of enjoying where it was going. There were still some problems, but um, it just it didn't bother me the way that uh, reboot did. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, I it was my favorite of the three we watched. <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely it felt like a sequel. I haven't watched the first one in quite a while. I, I really enjoyed the first one when I saw it. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I liked the surprises of the journey and that group coming together. And I always enjoy Jesse Eisenberg. I think yeah. he's always fun in every movie, or he fills the role he has to fill. And it's fun seeing him do comedy because he's so awkward and Woody and Allen esque. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was. I really enjoy the first one. So I, I feel like this one kind of still suffers from that being a sequel kind of thing where you don't really get the fun of the group coming together and um, there's not as much surprise because you're familiar with this world and it's it just kind of is more of the same. And I kind of, I didn't regret watching it and I enjoyed it, but it was kind of like, I would have been fine without this film. Yeah, yeah it was, it, it did feel unnecessary. Yeah. It was kind of, especially so long after, it's but 10 years yeah. later, and it's just like, why now are we doing this? Well, and I guess I thought, coming 10 years later, they must have an idea. This right. isn't just a cash-in sequel. That would have been 2011. Yeah. This is a, they've really come up with something that's like, <clears throat> we need to make mm-hmm. another movie with these characters. And instead, it was more of the same, and it was more of the same in the sense of the way that sequels usually run. Right. This goes back to Empire Strikes Back. And Empire Strikes Back does it pretty flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Sequels have tried to do this since. And it's, okay, you've brought these characters together. You love these characters. Now we're going to pull them apart. Right, right. And there are these shining examples, like in Empire Strikes Back, where it works. Mm-hmm. The script is there. The actors are there. And the story supports them being pulled apart and then brought back together. This and so many other sequels do this thing where it's just like, oh, it's our second movie. We have to split up the characters you love. Right. Even Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yep. did this. And I didn't like it for that. It immediately deflates yep. things for me. It really has to be special not to. And so many sequels do this. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't I don't get where that is a drive. Like, man, people love these characters come together. Let's split them up. Yeah. Well, Empire Strikes Back, like they do that, but... There's such a large chunk at the beginning of that film where they go through that, the whole battle on, was it Hoth, Hoth, where you feel like they're together quite a bit and then they break off. It's not like immediately they break off and then the Mm -hmm. whole film they're apart. It's like it's half the film they're apart. So you kind of in like, I don't know, I feel like it works in that. But like Guardians, they're pretty separate most of the Mm -hmm. time. Well, in an empire, they split up, but they have every intention of coming back together. Right. That's some of the tragedy right. at the end of Han Solo being frozen is they come back together, but it's it's too late. Yeah. 
what other sequels do is conflict, and we're splitting over yep. conflict. Yeah. That's what this was, conflict. Right. We're splitting over conflict. Well, then you don't even have the joy of waiting for that reunion and seeing how it comes back together. Mm-hmm. You're just, oh, now we've got to jump through the hoops of, all right, well, how is Jesse Eisenberg going to patch up with Emma Stone? You know they're going to. Right. How are they going to do it? Um, and it was it funny in this. Very obvious. Well, especially how little they're apart mm-hmm. in this. It's just like they like attempted it, and then I don't know. If <laughs> they thought it wasn't going to work, and then they brought them back together. Or I don't know how that worked, but it just I don't know. They pulled the plug on that whole idea. I guess, and and I just I had a hard time with with different setups. It's been a month. He now goes after this other girl that he's just met. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know the whole time Emma Stone's going to walk back right, in. Right, right. Um, there's that shot of him and Emma Stone finally starting to reconnect. And they're framed by this giant staircase. You know exactly who's going to walk down yeah. the staircase. Uh, and that's probably the point. You're supposed to dread it. Yeah. Um, but it, it just – I don't know. I'm I'm really tired of sequels kind of taking that route Mm -hmm. and you know save that it's it's same thing with comic book movies uh there's a trend where the second movie there's a plot line about losing a power or having a hard time using it or you know something like that um i just i never enjoy those storylines i didn't mind the whole idea of uh, little rock um her leaving because she's so young and it's like she wants to kind of find who she is on her Mm -hmm. own so I like that as a kind of motivation for um, a propellant in the story for them to go back and get out of the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't really bother me the whole I, – like I, I totally see what you're saying because I don't enjoy that either where the crew is split up. But like I said, they did it for such like – it was a couple yeah. scenes where they're apart. But well, it, that's why the conflict part of it yeah, bothered me. Yeah. Like have her go off. That's fine. Yeah. She wants to live her life. Now they're chasing her down and going to find essentially the daughter of the family. Okay. Right. I, I'm good with I, that. I like yeah, I enjoyed that whole yeah. idea. Yeah. The setup. Um I I had a really good time when they run into the doppelgangers. Yeah, I, uh, I that with, was my um, favorite part. What's his name? Middle Middle Ditch. Thomas Middleditch. Thomas Middleditch yeah, and, oh, and Luke uh, Wilson. Yeah, Luke Wilson. That was just a blast. Yeah. I love that. That you could really feel everybody on set was just having fun. And <laughs> yeah, I like that he had his like a Ten Commandments or oh, yeah. his commandments. And they kept trading them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. that's curious that you have that. Passive aggressive competition <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I, I really enjoyed uh, the introduction of the character played by um, – Nope. Rosario Dawson? Rosario Dawson. Oh, okay, yeah. Really enjoyed that character. Would have been fine with her tagging along. Yeah. I would have been fine you. with them kind of being a little crew and adding these yeah. family members as they go. Yeah. Uh, that would have rekindled a lot of what happened in the in the first one, I, yeah. I feel like. Um, yeah, I enjoyed her coming in because it kind of softened Woody Harrelson's character a little yep. bit. I, yeah. I, so I like that dynamic. It had that, the Elvis, all of this was, yeah. was him kind of being softened up. And right. He, you know, was having to drive around this minivan. That was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I enjoy that whole sequence where they're going to get the RV. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as soon as they do accomplish that, they <laughs> bust all the tires on it. <laughs> and he's just forced back to the, the yeah. minivan. The return to the minivan every yeah. time. So, yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I like that whole sequence with um, Middle Ditch and Luke Wilson where they they get bit and they have to yeah. spoilers 
if you haven't heard, well, spoilers. You but, know it's coming. Yeah. So I like that whole sequence where they're fighting them off and it's yeah. kind of this choreographed thing within yeah. the makeshift uh, um, Elvis compound. Yeah. What's that place called? Uh, Graceland. Graceland. Yeah. It's not, it's like a hotel where she's right. taking everything she's, from yeah. Graceland. Yeah. But essentially, she's just made new Graceland. Yeah. New Graceland. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just, it was it was good. It it had a lot of good beats. You could you could feel the improv in it. Yeah. Uh, you could feel some of the sharp writing in it, and uh, they just I felt like they were having a good time, and I was okay with it. I I feel like that was missing from reboot. I felt like everybody was having a good time. I don't feel like they're having a good time together. Yeah. Uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith and Harley Quinn Smith. You could see them playing off of each other and enjoying their company, um, but the other characters that suddenly would pop up, you didn't feel that connection. This one, I always felt like there was chemistry everywhere. Uh, even when doppelgangers show up, mm-hmm. there's still a chemistry there. Yeah. Uh, a, a competitive chemistry or whatever, but there's still something. I think this film would have worked coming out a, like three years after the original a little bit better because I feel like the whole zombie craze has kind of died down a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's just like kind of on the tail end, like, I mean, yeah. Walking Dead. They even literally say that at the beginning of this they're movie. They're watching, he's reading in the Jesse Walking Eisenberg's, Dead. Jesse in, Eisenberg's, in his opening narration, he says, thanks for watching this movie. You know, we know there's lots of zombie entertainment yeah. out there. Thanks for choosing us. Yeah. Like right at the top, right. it's like, yeah, we know market's oversaturated now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, the big risk here is that this this is too late. Right. Um, can you think of any other sequels that were just too late? Um, I know, like they made they made the thing prequel, and I I remember thinking at the time I knew it was going to I intuited that it was going to be bad, but I remember thinking like, why all these years later are you now saying you know what we need a prequel to right uh, Carpenter's thing right Why not Yeah. Um, that was just blasphemy, blasphemy really from the beginning. Was. So I just, really I, was. I never even saw that. Not to tangent, but they're apparently remaking the thing proper. Uh, uh, that's always been out there and, and circling, but now apparently there's traction on it. Mm. I'm not pleased. No. Now I, I have pushed pause on my complete skepticism because Dr. Sleep, uh, which we both loved, mm-hmm. took and, and was a sequel to The Shining and we thought it was going to be terrible, but it just had the right elements and the right script and the right director and actors. And, well, and, and it's not a straight sequel worked. to The Shining. Yeah. So yeah. it's and it had yeah. its own source material that's outside of just somebody writing what they thought happens afterwards. The Thing remake will come with a lot of money. It'll have a lot of new up-and-coming young actors. Uh, and it'll completely miss everyone the point will be of the like original. super sexy yeah. It? yeah yeah and it'll completely miss the point of the original yeah uh, yeah and that's so <laughs> going back to grambo because uh, <laughs> why not uh that's something when you go back and you watch something like the original thing and i'm gonna tie this back to zombie land i swear i'm looking forward to it just you wait <laughs> i'm coming around the bend <laughs> uh when you go back and watch the thing mm-hmm. it feels very real yeah uh, because you've got old guys you've got people that do not look like actors no you've got some young guys you believe but that these not, people are on this like you believe yeah. that they are who they've been cast in to this be. facility in the arctic yeah they look like rough and tumble uh blue collar mm-hmm. uh, you know scientists but still right they look the part 
Uh, and that's that's one of the places that remakes and reboots and all that stuff go so wrong is yeah. they do the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, and they they try to jazz it up and they try to make you want to watch these people. Mm-hmm. But I think what most moviegoers actually respond to is when they feel like they're not watching actors. Right, right. We don't need everyone to be shiny and six ca- uh, have six-pack, really. No, no. I don't need my movies to look like the CW. I just, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. You love the CW. I do love the CW for Supernatural. <laughs> I like The Flash, too. I don't know. My point is... I'm Zombie really waiting. Land, <laughs> Zombieland has that element. Yeah. You have, uh, other than, you know, you have the Emma Stone character, who is probably the most traditional actress yeah. uh, or actor in the bunch as far as her appearance. But even that they play with uh, because she's playing against type mm. with the type of character she is. And she's with these rough and tumblies. And it, all of these characters look like they've come from somewhere and that they have a story and they don't feel like actors playing the part. Well, it especially works with bringing in that new character, the girl that he um, sleeps with, because she's like this valley girl um, wearing like all pink. And so like she's like that typical role that would be in like a CW show and seeing juxtaposed against... These other characters are living in this world. It, it, it was funny. Yeah. 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 It worked. Yeah. So I don't know. I know that started originally with the question of can you think of a sequel? But then my brain went I, a million directions. Yeah, I, I can't. That's one I'd have to my, thought into yeah. ahead of time. And who wants to do that? <laughs> we don't prepare for this thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I, I did have one thought. Okay. And what would have been... This is a spoiler for the post credits of this movie. Oh, okay, spoilers. Okay, but I know where you're going. In what bit. would have been a better sequel to this film or to the first film? It, I guess technically it would have been a prequel, but I would have loved to have seen an entire Bill Murray prequel film. Yes, that whole last sequence was the best Great. part of this. Great, him. <laughs> Just surviving up in, in Zombieland up to that point where Jesse Eisenberg kills him. Yep. Like, and that was the end of the film. That would have been so amazing. Yep. I 100% agree. Just it was so how much fun. he got a, got by. And this would have been so great how he spends his time in his mansion yep. and just yep. killing off zombies and saying Ghostbuster lines as he does it. I was fine when it was just him. Like talking about Garfield three, I was yeah. already like, "This is great." I yeah. see what you're doing, and then to watch kind of the zombie outbreak hit, I'm like, "This is great." I yeah. see what you're doing. Now we're going to go out into the conference center and continue this <laughs> right. for an entire action sequence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, give me that movie. Like he's still like as sharp as he ever was. It's so funny. I don't know. I just love him so much. It would have been that would have been great. I, I mean, it might have been difficult to do, but Maybe. like, and he gets a gang of his own that he's like trying to get back to his house, and yep. that would have been terrific. Yep. Maybe I, they, they could still do it, I guess, if he they sticks could. around a little bit. I don't know. Do you think they'll do another one after no, this? I don't think so. Or do you think it's just like another ten years, and now we're geriatric, <laughs> zombie land geriatric? I don't know. I I doubt it. Okay. I mean, it took that long. I don't think this did well enough that anybody's really. Maybe not. Having an outcry to get it done. I don't know. You know what else didn't do well enough to get a sequel? The fourth Rambo. <laughs> and you know what we reviewed earlier tonight? Right. Grambo. So, you know, anything can happen. Mm. Zombieland. That's true. 
Maybe in 10 years we'll get another one. Maybe. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I'll take it. No, I, I, I didn't mind it at all. It was, I would have been totally fine not seeing it. Okay. I could have, they could have just told me, hey, go watch the first one again. Yeah. So Rambo Last Blood, uh, if you have it, uh, hurry, run to the bathroom, flush down the toilet before the police realize you have it. Uh, you're going to get in trouble. It's Can bad. I ask you a question? I have another thought about Zombieland okay. real quick before you... You know what I always love in this podcast? <laughs> What's that? Is that I always, I start my little recap and I just want to say the three movies and what we thought. And every time I do it, you immediately like, you know what else I thought about that third movie? <laughs> it's endearing. Keep doing you're it. You're jumping the gun too quickly. <laughs> I am. I'm not... I, thought, I thought we were done. I didn't want Dead Space. Well, it was, so but I then start, I got another thing. you're like, oh man, light bulb. Go ahead. What did you think of the whole idea of these, like, all of a sudden there's super zombies? I don't know. When they said that there was something weird going on, mm-hmm. I briefly thought of, uh, like, Venus flytrap style. What if this girl in pink is this new evolution of zombie and okay. they basically imitate hmm. humans and lure them into for a brief moment? I was like, that would be yeah, interesting. Right, right. Then it was the T eight hundred, and it's just kind of like, yeah, all yeah, right, it didn't really super go. zombies, but right. it, there was there was never a moment where it felt like this really puts them in danger. Right. They just have to use more ammunition. Yeah, so. Yeah, I was hoping it could have been something a lot more fun. Yeah, and they played it up like we've heard rumors of something, and there's something something weird is happening. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? Right, what are we gonna and do? that kind of implies that there's some other bigger thing going on yeah. outside of of the White House or where they're staying. Yeah. Um, but it just then it's just faster, stronger zombies. And well, and I briefly thought they were going to play. Uh, kind of poke fun at The Walking Dead mm. and other zombie things where they refuse to say how it starts. Oh, okay. And so to play with that the whole time where Tallahassee is just convinced like it's aliens uh-huh. and, you know, Jesse Eisenberg character is just, no, it's it's clearly just a virus. It was cooked up in a lab. You know, yeah. everybody has their own little theory and, and they're trying to chase that around. I thought they were going to do that at one point, but mm. – um, it just, I, and that's that's I guess the bigger point is it just feels like it didn't have that big, right? Hook. It didn't have the big idea. Yeah. It was really just a we can get the gang back together and yeah. have some fun again, right? Let's go have some fun and make yeah. people laugh. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, yeah, I mean it was nice that they got everyone back and agreed to do it. It wasn't like they're filling trying to fill in gaps or somebody some mysteriously died in between the two films and. They couldn't have them. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Seems like they must enjoy each other's company enough to make another one. Yeah. I know him, uh, Jesse and Eisenberg and Emma Stone are pr- pretty friendly. Are they? I think so. I think from like doing the first one, I think they're friendly. Right. Hmm. I might be wrong. I don't have know. Have they been in something else together? Uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Mm. We'll, we'll see. We'll say yeah. So Rambo First Blood. We're going to flush that down the toilet. Okay. And reboot. You know, oh, that was disappointing and sad. Mm-hmm. And Zombieland Double Tap. Just be quicker before I interrupt you. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Zombieland Double Tap. It was good fun. Uh, it was nothing grand or special. Yeah, it's but worth it was, throwing it on on a Sunday. It. Sure, why not? Yeah, Friday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Yep. All right. Are you ready to see what uh, punishments or rewards that the Cinetron has for us this week? Yeah. All right. So let's get to that Cinetron 3000. <laughs> Cinetron, Cinetron, 
Stop. Everything beautiful is far away. What? I think this is a little indie on Hulu. Okay. I thought you cracked a fortune cookie on me. What is it called? Everything beautiful. Everything beautiful is far away? Yeah. Okay. That's a title and a half. Are you able to pull up what yes. this is about? Give me the little I'm pretty sure it has the girl from um, Ozark in it. Okay. Yeah. She's really good in yeah, Zerk. It's called okay. it's uh here's the description. On an isolated desert planet, a man who is looking for parts to fix his robotic companion teams up with a young woman who is searching for a mystical lake. It looks like a fun little indie huh. uh, sci-fi flick. Okay. Check I am not gonna watch the trailer for this okay. at all. I'm just gonna dive right in and watch this thing. That sounds all right. What yeah. the, everything Everything beautiful is far away. It's like them out in the desert. Looked pretty good. I, I've been meaning to watch it. Okay. So this is much. This a does step. not fill me with dread. No, this is a step up from Rambo. Okay. At the very least, it might not be very good, but it's not going to probably give us like pain in our hearts. Okay. In our souls. Yeah. A botched root canal would be a step up from <laughs> Rambo. Last. Plug. I'm pretty sure that happened in that last sequence. There was someone. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. It cuts to mm-hmm. like third to it last henchman. He's just doing bad dental it work. It could have snuck in there, and I wouldn't have been aware. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I have a question, though. Okay. Uh, at one point, Rambo was so bad, I stopped watching it on my very large TV that mm. I love. <laughs> and I went upstairs and I finished Rambo on my phone. Yeah. Uh, Martin Scorsese says we're not supposed to watch movies on phones. Discuss. Mm-hmm. Well, I I did the exact same thing <laughs> last week with um, Small we- uh, Slow West. Really? Because I okay. yeah, because I needed to finish it, so I finished yeah. it at work on my phone yeah. uh, at lunch. I, I did. I wish I didn't have to do that, but we are, I was running out of time. Does it change the experience for you when you watch it on a phone, or yeah. you just get so into like, is a good movie a good movie no matter what? I think it, there's no problem if like you had watched it already on the big screen and mm-hmm. had that experience and you just want to revisit it while you're on the go. But yeah. I, I really, I would not <laughs> recommend doing okay. that. Uh, with that Rambo, I don't think you missed anything. No. I, really I would don't. not have stopped 1917 midway, even if oh, I had no. seen it before and go watch that. Like I, I really wish I didn't do that with Slow West because I would have loved to have seen that last sequence yeah. big, but I, I just had no choice at the time. I forgot to tell you when we were what you watching about, yeah. I went and saw 1917 again. Oh, my son to see it and he's a he's a huge history buff even at 15 and we went in uh we're sitting in the theater and at one point i was worried he was sitting so still i thought he had fallen asleep we had gone to a late show Mm. and so i turned to wake him up and this kid is frozen he Mm. is riveted with this movie uh and afterwards he is just talking a mile a minute about everything and he's going deep on stuff uh, character and, and cinematography, and it was, it was really a proud dad moment. <laughs> uh, but 1917 uh, was even better the second time. And then he said it would probably have been better on my phone, right? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I need to see it again. What made me think of that is is he he actually said he was just like I'm so glad we watched that in the theater. Oh yeah, he connected that that was a different kind of experience. For sure. And this is a kid that lives and breathes Hulu on his phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. For him to even recognize that, that there was something about this experience that was more immersive because it was large. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
was really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something I do regularly with movies. I'll yeah. watch YouTube stuff and whatever Netflix comedy yeah. special on yeah. my phone, but I try to watch it on yeah. as large as I can most of the time. So, uh, still no clue what we're going to talk about next week. We'll, mm. we'll figure that out here shortly. But well, we, we got do one know thing. we're yeah. everything beautiful, beautiful. is far away. Is far away. Yeah, we know we're going to watch that. So, if you're listening at home, you can watch at home too. It's on Hulu, and then you'll know what the heck we're talking about. It's on Hulu. Uh, that means if you're already paying for Hulu, it's essentially free. Uh, spin it up and enjoy it. Yeah, so. that's how money works. It's. <laughs> If you've already paid for yeah. it, it's essentially free mm-hmm. when you finally partake. It's out of, <laughs> out of pocket, out of mind, it's free. <laughs> That's If you go into every restaurant thinking that way, mm-hmm. like even McDonald's, you order something at McDonald's, you pay your bill, and you're like, well, I already paid it, so now whatever comes across the counter is essentially free. Yeah. Because I'm not paying for it as I receive it. Right. This Just, feels like another yeah. one of those stupid life hacks. Yeah, that, we should. Like once we pay and we're waiting for our order from McDonald's <laughs> and then they hand it to you, you're like, oh my gosh. Thank, thank you. you. Ah, I just thought I was paying to walk in this place. <laughs> I didn't know I was getting free food. Can you imagine their faces? I'm going to try that. <laughs> They'll probably make their day. Like really? I thought I was just paying to get to talk to you, Brenda. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 12. Uh, thanks as always for listening. Uh, do remember to go on to your uh, Apple Podcast app and uh, give us some stars. And I don't know, maybe leave some words if they're don't kind. comment if they're mean. Don't comment if it's mean. Don't be that kid. Just you know, love us a little bit. We could use the hug. But otherwise, this is another episode of Cinebabble. <laughs> I'm feeling good, Clint. You feeling good? I'm feeling just fine. All right, especially Are we gonna, <laughs> we're gonna play the extended cut of that Cinetron music. If I'm motivated to finish it. I'm so excited. (laughs) All right. Well, here's hoping that that's what's about to play. We'll find out. Don't cross your fingers. Bye. Bye. (laughs)